Hello, we're back with another episode of KB Talks powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to growing and supporting the kitchen and bath industry. Your host, Jennifer Bertrand here, and this episode's conversation was recorded live at KBiz 2019 with Susan Griffin-Dietz and Jeannie Snyder, two kitchen and bath professionals and sought-after speakers. In their NKBA Voices from the Industry session, Susan and Jeannie got into the weeds on the topic of showrooms. From common mistakes and misconceptions to tips and tricks for success, they shared their experience on how to engage with the customer in the best possible way. In a world people do so much product discovery online and where direct-to-designer or direct-to-consumer sales is growing rapidly, what is the role of the showroom and how can showrooms create impactful experiences. We're getting serious today, people, and our guests today have the answer. Thanks for tuning in. At Samsung, we aren't just predicting the future, we're creating it. Inspired by chefs, the Samsung Chef Collection is built on three core pillars, design, technology, and performance. The recipient of four 2018 CES Innovation Honoree Awards, the Chef Collection features performance, precision, and design that is recognized across the globe. The Chef Collection lineup includes a 42-inch four-door flex built-in refrigerator, a 36-inch ProRange, 36-inch induction cooktop, and a 30-inch microwave combination wall oven, all boasting smart features designed to suit any type of lifestyle, including Wi-Fi-enabled interior cameras, and advanced temperature control. Samsung's wider range of products feature multiple color and size options and ensure that the kitchen is designed exactly as the chef desires it. We crafted this collection with sophisticated capabilities for intuitive performance to elevate the modern kitchen experience. Welcome to the future of cooking. To discover more about the chef collection and learn more about our rewards program for certified designers, visit samsung.com. two of you because I can already tell you're a, like a load of fun. I want you to introduce yourself and kind of give us the elevator speech of who you are and what you do. I'm Jeannie Snyder and I'm a speaker, coach, and consultant. And so I work with people in the industry and that's what was exciting about matching up with Susan on this because she works in the industry and I work with people who are in the industry but we do um, we help people build trust culture so we work with customer culture communication so the people side of trying to streamline processes and make things better at work so. Streamline, it's such a noble concept. It sounds right? good, yeah. I, I, I probably have malpractice all the time because, you know, cobbler's children have no shoes. But well, we're it's, trying to help things be easier at work and not make it quite so tough. Yeah, it's every creative person's nightmare. But before we get into that, go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Susan Griffin Dietz, and I am in the industry. I'm a designer by training, but I have worked as a rep over the years, and now I run a stone yard, Pacific Shore Stones in Oxnard, California. So you guys are here, we're gonna talk about showrooms and carrying it on, but what is something that you commonly find that is a big misconception or a common mistake that showrooms face in the industry today? My first response to that is, it's not all about the showroom. 
It's about they're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? They're it, like, it's about what happens in the showroom. Yeah, and it's about taking the showroom on beyond. So, what can you do in your showroom that has the people side to it, that gets people engaged, and it makes them want to still think about, come back to, and engage with you in your showroom? But it has to do with what the people do in the showroom, not just what it looks like or how it. Flows. And when you say that, what do you mean by that? Like, I mean, how do you? Think about what are some, well, we, we ask people today in our session, what are some things you think about that you can do in a little bit of time that might change how somebody perceives your showroom or how you might greet them? But what we're looking for is what's important to that, to that customer, to that client. And that's what makes them feel like the showroom experience has been, has been worth it. Yeah. Well, and I think honestly, like, the staff side of it is hard as well as the management side of it, but what is something you would add to that? Um, what we're really trying to do is help every, everyone think of one thing, one thing they can do differently. For me, the challenge recently, since I've worked in showrooms for a really long time, has been how do I combine the digital and what we hold in our hand all the time Wait, what, this? Like, yeah, that. I don't think mine ever comes out of my hand. We like, noticed the glue. I, yes. yes, I know, right? I'm going to like be the letter C with my hands. <laughs> so how do we combine that with our old school sales, selling tips? And so, you know, that was one thing we talked about in the class this morning is how can you do one thing using your phone? Mine was, because I work in a showroom, take pictures of the customers, samples they're looking at, and text them to them because that helps them remember what they looked at. But I also have several other little tips, and then I create a file, put it in my computer, so when they call me back, I seem all smart, like I know what we talked about when they were there. Yeah, like a Dropbox file yes. or something like that. What is something that you think freaks people out? Like, because I feel like showrooms kind of go in different phases, from the archaic, older school concept of it to um, fresher ones that are not scared to embrace. And here you guys created all these beautiful notes, and I'm like, let's just go into we this. We go off script yeah, all the time. We'd that, rather be tell. off script. Yeah, I want to have a real conversation about this, because yeah. someone's going to listen, and you're going to help them turn things around, because it can be overwhelming. Well, that's the word exactly I was about to use. My clients that I would take to showrooms, they're just, they're scared to death of them sometimes, especially if there's somebody who does not do a design project very often. They literally are scared to go to market or to a showroom where there are just so many choices. So I think one of the things is, how do you design your showroom so that choices become more streamlined, like we talk about? Well, you know you go in some and it's like visual, like vomit to oh, your eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Yes, overload's a nicer word to use. <laughs> overload vomit. Jen's fired. Overload vomit, right, okay. Welcome to, to the kitchen. <laughs> exactly. You have to turn it around and look at it from another perspective. Now it's so easy to sit at home and sit behind this yeah. and shop. She using, held up her phone. Using yeah. Note to a, audience. Using a screen of some sort. So once they do decide, okay, I'll take a step on the wild side and go to a showroom, what does the showroom offer them? What can I do in my showroom that makes them breathe a sigh of relief, know that they've come to the right place, and somewhere that they're comfortable moving forward with the design process? So you have do one thing, like don't get overwhelmed, pick one thing to focus on. That's important to, to the customer. Yeah. You know, that your client needs. Or maybe it's ask one question. Do you think that showrooms who have gotten stuck in a rut 
can can step outside of themselves to ask themselves that question or what would you give them advice so they could do that observe you first have to focus on one customer at the time so I think we come in and we try to say what does our showroom need to be it may be what what is it that our clients are looking for that means we've got to pay attention so if you're gonna build trust with them help them make those decisions and create that culture where they want to come back then you've got to think about what is it that those customers are looking for, what are those customers are looking for, and then how do you make them your clients. So you've got to focus on what they need at the moment. It might be, I need de-stressing because I've got three giant decisions to make. Well, maybe you help them with that one decision and the others fall in line. I'm stressing because I can't get there because I've got too many kids and I can't get there for a normal meeting. Susan gave I have an one and day. that's too many. Like and, Yeah, and she said, you know, she had <laughs> I one, mean I love him, but one client in who um, knew she that she had used her dinner hour yeah. and was stressed about getting back home. So she keeps a little stack of gift cards in her drawer. Dinner on me. That's smart. So what'd you do? You not only took the pressure off of trying to make this decision at a time that's most stressful in my family's life. But you also gave her an opportunity to go have the family meet and discuss all the amazing things that just happened in the showroom with Susan in making that decision. So we got to find out what's most important. Maybe it's getting them calmer. Maybe it's streamlining their choices. Maybe it's just having that face-to-face that's not on the screen. Right. Because talk about getting overwhelmed. You start flying through. All you're doing is getting cross-eyed looking at the screens. How do you even, so how do you merge those? How do you build that culture so they've got some homework, we've got some homework, but that showroom becomes actually where we can show them how they can get closer to their decision. I think honestly, societies become just so visually so much all the time from every angle, that that's why I think it's so important for the showroom to stop and say, let's stop and breathe and let's like tell your story, whatever your story is going to be. So saying that, like as a showroom owner, how do you like, how do you start passing this on to staff as well? Because like you can take care of yourself, but then how do you get create that culture in you your showroom? You mean like am I freaking out because I'm here and they're there? And I don't know what's <laughs> You're like it's all under control. <laughs> well, I sweat. Um, I tell them often, and I've said this for a long time working in showrooms. While you may be frazzled and thinking about the 14 emails you've just gotten or the customers that you've got to take care of, we never know who's coming through that door. While I may have worked with 10 customers today, they may have saved 10 years to walk in my door today. So how do we make everyone experience an exceptional experience? And again, if they've gotten up and taken a, taken a step and into a showroom, now the burden's on me to give them a good experience. And I think something that we addressed this morning, going back to the showroom itself is, in one of our slides this morning, Jeannie just pops up random furniture. So why did we put furniture there? And I think all of us every now and then just needs to, need to step back in our showroom, reevaluate what's there. Could we make some better choices to utilize the space to make customers comfortable and feel more creative? How often do you tell showroom owners to do that, to stop and relook and reanalyze? Like should it be a every six months, or once a year? I don't know that I would put it on the calendar. Oh, right. I See, I'm, gotta be, I have a secret left brain side. I'm like, tell me I, I think it's got to be consistent. Yeah. I think it's got to be when, when there is, what is the event that is creating that opportunity? If you don't have an event that's making a, a, a 
case for change, yeah. then you do plug that in. So if you're streamlining your processes, then you're gonna say, okay, have we even asked ourselves this question every three months? We haven't changed anything. Why is that chair still there? Why have we got, we're, we're a showroom, why have we not you know, recovered that piece of furniture so that they can be comfortable? But you start asking the questions. But, but it's part of, we, we look at things when somebody new is coming in, right? So yeah. if we got the same old customers, you're not gonna change anything. You got the same old people. Somebody new comes in, somebody's coming to your house for dinner, you're gonna quit stepping over that that pile of laundry in the floor <laughs> that you haven't seen in the last three days. Have you been to my house, girl? So I was there. We did a little showroom visit at your home. And now we're going to talk about it on, no, I'm kidding. No. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but like it's it. true because until you feel like you have to, you don't address it. Or you didn't even pay attention. Yeah. And so it's paying attention. One of the things we did today was you don't know who's going to walk through your door. We had people pop up and say, tell us about your best, one of your best customers. And, and they said, how, many, how long do we have? Three minutes? We said, no, 30 seconds. In 15 seconds, they had told our entire room you know, about one of their best customers. And what the point was, it was exactly what you were asking. How do you help, um, I don't like the word train, but how do you help educate your colleagues on what you know, right? We all know something. It's not always from the boss down. It's what do I know about serving customers? What do you know? How do we share that? But if I'm going to be out, who knows enough about my customers to make them feel at home when they come in? So in 15 to 30 seconds, they were able to tell us things that if that client walked in and I'm not there, you could help serve them. I and often, they go, hey, you're Jennifer. Yeah. Oh yeah, tell me, you said you wanted something new for your son, blah, blah, blah. We've got some kind of connection. Yeah. That's what the show part. It's not just about the room. Well, I often go into showrooms and I will be dressed down because I want to see how they treat me before they treat my client. Right. And if they're not nice to me before they even know who I am or what I can offer them, then I don't want to send them my vulnerable client to tell thing. a story. Big, I big know, mistake. right? Big mistake. Oh, oh, I love that moment. Mm -hmm. No, but like, so if you start, like, don't you find that sometimes also like keeping up with the wear and tear of the physical showroom that it reflects on the quality that you can offer and sometimes you miss those details? Well, I purposely schedule a designer event in my showroom once <laughs> so a year. So you have to clean up. Every year. Smart. And it makes That's me a really great idea. look at color trends, look at the stone I'm showing. Look at the details. Where's the baseboard scuffed up? What do I need? Do I need new light fixtures in the bathroom? Um, do I need to move things around? Because I work in a stone yard, I'm constantly, obviously there's new inventory coming in all the time, and I'm always very conscious. You think whoever moves helps you move furniture and your life hates you? Oh no, <laughs> my people that work for me hate me. Because I'll say, no, we've got to move all of these slabs around. Every This is tired, it's tired real estate. Move it around, make it look fresh, make it shine. But I purposely schedule an event once a year. No, so I have to do that's that. smart. Now, okay, so you take all those concepts and it was hard enough when it was just a physical showroom, but then you throw in technology and social media. Mm -hmm. What are your bits of advice for those showrooms that maybe don't have a local resident millennial to take it over? What would you say to those people? Well, I think one of the things is how do you make your showroom fresh and digital? I mean, everybody can put a monitor in the corner and throw some things up. Everybody can take pictures. Yeah. I mean, there's few designers that don't have a phone on them, like Susan said. You can take a picture of something and email it to them, send it to them, post it. We love seeing this person in our showroom today. Can we put your picture out there? Ask permission. <laughs> but, you know, 
so show things that make people have that human touch using the digital edge. It's not hard. It doesn't, we don't have to know everything that, you know, Kristen knows because she's an expert. It's how do you just make what you're doing today fresh? How do you make it have an edge? And some of that is just making sure it's got some movement, making sure that we're not sitting there stoic and staid and stodgy. You know, ask your customers. Yeah. If, if, in all, if you do not know what else to do, ask. What would you like about your visit today? What would you love to see more of? And then actually do it. That's the difference. I think it's being willing to hear that, whether it's good or bad mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. that I think is the hard part for some showrooms. Right. It's, it's serving customers. We always talk about service. We talk about customer service. It's serving customers. Put it on the other side. It's a verb. So what are we doing to serve? What are we doing to listen? What are we doing to ask? It has to be active. Today, don't tell the KBS people, but we moved our workshop room around. So we <laughs> don't tell them there. I went off script either. That's right. <laughs> so we're in our room, and they had to do theater seating because everything's so popular. People are coming. We were really grateful to have a, a room full of energetic, excited, I mean, great participants today, and we love them. Um, and so just a few minutes into our thing, we said, how can you make this room more conducive for you, our clients? You got three minutes. And they totally moved the room around. They put things in circles. They brought other thing, you know, other props in and set them up. They put now up footstools. me this was gonna work well. <laughs> I was she was scared to death. Very, very Was there an awkward pause right before it all happened? Yes. So they kinda. looked at us like, no, we're like, really? Move the furniture. You got three minutes, and then we played. Um, Frank Sinatra singing. But don't you think no that's the business. difference of remember those teachers growing up that like actually made a difference in your life, and the ones that just talked at you. Mm -hmm. Some showrooms just talk at you, and they don't really want to get in there and get dirty and know your story and jump in. Like, and people will have. If you've got a good message, not talking at you, if, if yeah. you've got a good message, I think your point is well taken. If it's got a good message, I will overlook the torn thing on, in the corner because I love the people there. I'm going back for the, for the goodie. I'm going back for the feeling. I'm going back, I'm looking in your showroom for what I'm gonna feel like when I walk in my new kitchen or my new you know, bathroom, right? You know, whatever it is that I'm I think it building. goes back to your point that, like, you never know if that's their one special moment to do their kitchen or make it over. And I always say it's like that old school, um, this might show my age, but like the Macy's Gimbel's concept of, you know what, maybe I don't have the best answer for you. And as a designer, I'm never scared to say, you know what, here's something else for you or here's something else because they know I'm not out to get them. They, they know I have their best interests at heart. My, my favorite. Oh, sorry. Well, see, it's so exciting, right? Yes. No. Both of you answer. You tell your favorite. I'll tell my favorite. My favorite question to ask, and I think I get most blown away when I ask people that are actually older than me, and that makes them really old. Um, because 130. When I, when I <laughs> You're say, a fetus. When I say to them, when you close your eyes and you visualize your new kitchen, what does your countertop look like? You'd be blown away at how many people stand there and close their eyes, and they really don't know. But but that's why do you think that right? is? Because they're, it's such a big choice or a commitment or I they're think, picturing jelly on the counter? I think finally they're having to be put on the spot as opposed to maybe what their daughters are saying or what they think their husband wants them to say or what's going to sell. 
No, this is your kitchen or your bathroom. What is your vision? What do you want it to look like? And then once you start there, even if they come in not having really any idea where to go, if I can start there, well, it's light, it's white. I, I was thinking it needs a little sparkle. At least they give you nuggets that you can use to build on. Yeah, I often will start like that, and then I'll ask them about, I'll take it to how do you dress, how do you live your right. life, what and it, if you go into function, then it can guide itself mm -hmm. to that. Hi. What were you going to? I was going to say one of my favorite things is when I finally discover with a client what they do not like. <laughs> they once, do know that quicker, what, don't they? What, but they don't know it till they see it. And when they see it and they go, oh, well, I hate that, I'm like, yay, we know you hate that. Then let's go here because that tells me something. It's just like, and I was going to say something similar when you, it's just like an event. If we said, when you walk into your wedding, when you walk into your birthday party, when you walk into that next vacation, what do you want it to look like? Well, same question. When you walk into your kitchen, what do you want it to look like, feel like, smell like, act like, you know, what do you want that to be? Well, I don't want this, and I don't want that. Well, that's great. Those are things that are important. We strike it. If you don't want that, then do you want this? So it's staying, it's hanging with the client to listen to that next one thing. Because we all know when they come in overwhelmed, but when you start getting some traction and you get a rhythm in, in how you're building that trust with the, with the customer, now you can ask them a lot harder questions. You know, because you've already asked the hard stuff at the beginning. Now we've got some flow, and you're going to start realizing, you're going to see their eyes light up when they look at that piece of stone they love, when they look at that appliance they love. That spark and joy. Yeah, Very and you're going to see when they glaze over, too. But we have to note that. Now, unless they're just glazing over because they've been in your showroom too long, and they're like, okay, I've hit my limit now. I'm like, get in the car. Get in the car. Go away. Because yeah. you need to be fresh when you come back. I think sometimes, though, the consumer has this like paralyzing fear for like big cost objects. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they be, they'll be like, "Do I, well, I still like that in 10 years or 15 years. I'm like, you're not gonna like anything in 10 or 15 years, unless maybe it's Gucci or Chanel, cause it's classic, right. but there are very few things cause you'll want change just naturally. Mm -hmm. um, so that being said, now there are some showrooms out there where the owner might possibly think that he, ha he or she has all the ideas. How often would you guide them to turn to their staff to submit fresh ideas or concepts to kind of change it up? Every day. Always, every day. Yeah, you don't wait till you oh, do it. I'm glad I don't a, own a show. Don't put something in a suggestion box. We, yeah. should, we should know this because I should be hanging with you and asking somebody who works in our showrooms, what, what happened today? What did you see today? And one of the things, it's almost like, remember, you take the picture of the stone, do you actually put it in a folder so you can find it again? So it's actually taking that suggestion and then remembering to try to apply it. But that's why we spent today talking about one thing here, one question here, one minute here, 30 seconds here. What can I learn in that 30 seconds that would change the way my colleague did something, change the way this looks, change, it's moving a chair. Do one thing. It's not all of it, it's not the renovations. Do you think that it's if people thing. get freaked out as showroom owners knowing they're already tapped out or overworked or whatever that if they hear that and they go every day even just do you think once a week is a good start if they haven't created that culture already yeah it may not be it may not come naturally to them and are you a show remember that's there all the time or are you one that blitzes in once in a while you gotta you gotta plan how it works for you that's the whole thing it's the one thing that works for you it's the one thing that works for that client that customer it's not even if i decide oh here's this is what works for me 
it may not work for you, it may not work for you, and it may not work for the folks that I'm trying to educate on that. And so I think one of the things is is keeping it fresh and doing it as part of what's going on. Everything we did today took less than three minutes, every change we made today, or that we asked people to make today. Most of the things we asked people to do today took 30 seconds of focused thinking. Like, why is that customer one of my favorite customers? Or what did they need when they walked in? I mean, one guy told a story that these people came in, they said, you know, we're not gonna spend that much money. We're not gonna do this, this, and this. They ended up spending more money than they ever budgeted. And he eats Christmas dinner with them Aww. 20 years later. I mean, you're building relationships. That's what it's about, whether it's one appliance, an entire home, or they come to me every five years and, and renovate something. It's the relationship. I mean, you're a designer. You know. You know how much you get to know about people when you're working in their kitchens and Kind of scary. I know. I it's tell them I'm going to ask them, like, a lot of, like, creepy, friendly questions. Mm -hmm. But, like, for showroom owners out there listening to this, what are some, obviously, are podcasts going to be a great resource? Are there any other resources that you would guide people to to say, hey, check this out? Or is it just create conversation within your own work environment. Their I mean, best resources and yeah. are the people that work for them yeah. and the people that work with them, the designers that come to their showroom, mm -hmm. but their colleagues. I feel like so many times we get so caught up on, oh, they're my competition, but we all do the same thing. Why not talk about it? Go to your NKBA chapter meetings, find other ASID groups, attend trade organizations, come to KBIS, be a part and engage and because chapters. if you're engaged you learn more I was hoping you were gonna say that and I will I think but we you should show up yes it's not just showroom you got to show up you got to actually make and consistently the effort to go to the your chapter meeting you got to make the effort to be at, at KBIS you got to make the effort to go to special events and you got to make the effort to ask your colleagues in the field tell me your stories I don't need to. I don't need to make that mistake. Let me. Let me hear yours, <laughs> or let me tell you mine. I don't need to. We shouldn't have to learn everything the hard way. So it's telling the stories. If we learn the stories of our clients and each other, your showroom's done. It's the show. It's the verb. It's not the room. Well, I think one of my favorite things, like quotes, is community over competition. Yeah. And once you can embrace that, you realize there's room for all of us. We've got social media. If you're not on social media every day looking at what your friendly competitors are doing, they're putting it out there for you. They're sharing their work. Yeah. Go spend, look. Spend 30 minutes on Instagram. Or be inspired. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a show and tell. I mean, it's years and years ago, you used to flip through magazines. Now you flip through online. You flip through to get inspiration. It doesn't mean you have to copy. It just means you're getting inspiration. You're shaking it up. You're thinking about something differently. You know, do the Coco Chanel thing. Do what you normally do and take one accessory off. Girl, Go I backwards. add an extra one, you know? but I totally buy into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's do one less thing sometimes. Agreed. It's not always one more thing. It's do one less thing. And that's hard. That, to me, is much harder than doing one more thing. So it's maybe let's, instead of asking a million questions, let's ask one question and stick with it. Like today, let's focus on feel of your kitchen. Maybe it's not making the decision on which refrigerator that's going to be, which countertop it's going to be. What, what is it that's most important to you about your kitchen? That's the question to ask. And what do you hate? And what do you love? 
and like you said, it's not just about in your kitchen, in your life. What's yeah. natural? Yeah. You know? No, I feel like sometimes we just forget that we're helping create like how you live and it's such an important job and it's like we're all kind of wellness doctors in our own way of environment with mental wellness and I think the thing is this and as technology evolves you know it's always changing but I think to recap just for anyone listening out there is don't be scared to stop and listen and have those chats with your staff help organize the client what else were some of our tidbits think about one thing one question what's most important what's that priority what will help you build trust with that client so what's the one question or the one thing that's most important to them if you get that going then it influences all the other decisions and now you're the person that's helping guide them to those decisions whether it's their one big decision in 25 years or whether they like to change something in their house every Every year. Well, you two are amazing and lovely. I want you guys You're to lovely. find them on social media. Thanks. <laughs> you can stay on the couch she and hang out. She wears rose-colored glasses. How can it be any and better? And fabulous leopard boots. <laughs> I know. We're sorry this is not visual. <laughs> My thing is, all of you out there, you have a story to tell, and sometimes we just need to stop, breathe, get re-inspired, and love on each other in the, our community and industry, and it's community over competition. You two, thank you for being here. Everyone, tune back in to our next episode of KB Talks. Exciting things are happening, and thanks to our sponsors. Every year at KBIS, the NKBA's Voices from the Industry Conference presents an invaluable opportunity for professional development and career growth. This year's conference features 74 sessions in five categories, including Grow Your Business, Kitchen and Bath Specialty Training, Design, Management, and Customer Service. Backed by popular demand are some favorite VFTI speakers who return in 2020 with new or updated presentations. Plus, at least 25 speakers are new this year, offering fresh content and a fresh perspective. If you prefer a hands-on learning experience, the NKBA also offers five on-site interactive lab sessions. Register now for KBIS 2020 and the Voices from the Industry Conference sessions. Visit cavis.com for more information.